You're listening to the Military Millionaire Podcast, a show about real estate investing for the working class. Stay tuned as we explore ways to help you improve your finances, build wealth through real estate, and become a person that is worth knowing. What's up, Military Millionaires? I wanted to briefly talk about a service I offer that a whole lot of people don't seem to know about, and I guess that's a failure on my part for not having discussed it enough. So look, finding a realtor that understands investing and or the VA loan or, or both is not always the easiest thing in the world. And finding a lender, same thing. So what I have started doing is I've built a, well, I have a large network, but I've started to compile it all together finally as a legitimate uh, Excel document-driven, location-driven list for you guys essentially so what it what it is is basically just my way of helping connect you with a realtor or a lender that i know personally and have vetted and talked to and understand that they're not going to screw you and what i do is like for example i had a market where i had two or three agents that i all sent the same person as a connection said hey man you know i, I trust I, I know all of these let me know what you think and they all said the same agent and same thing. So what I've done is if there's multiple agents in the same market, I choose the best one and that's who I'm going to hook you up with. But the whole point of this is just to help ensure that you get connected to the best agent. So if that is something that you would like, just go to the website, go to frommilitarytomillionaire.com slash VA dash realtor slash, or just reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook, whatever. I'll send you the link or you can find it on the resources page of the website. But look. All it is is a way to help connect you with an agent who's going to hook you up. No, I don't charge a fee for you. No, I don't charge a fee for the agent. It's just a way to hook you guys up. At the end of the day, as a buyer, you're not going to pay for a realtor anyway. So, ta-da, it's magic. You might as well use one. As far as VA lender, I've got a really good one that I work with and know very well. There's several others that are pretty good. And I'll probably try to steer you away from some uh, companies that I just don't think are very reputable or have been very helpful. So, you know, if this is a service that sounds good to you for free 99 then uh, reach out. And if not, then uh, enjoy the show right now. Hey, what's up, Military Millionaires? I'm your host, David Bray. I don't have Alex on the show today, but I've got Juan Paulo Capati. And what we're going to do is, Juan and I have been talking back and forth on Facebook for a little bit and even asked me a bunch of questions. And I had been thinking it would be cool to do like a kind of a coaching podcast for a little while where I basically just talk to somebody and try to help them out for you know, 45 minutes to an hour or whatever. And I, I actually was just telling Juan, I was like, I had someone else set up and they got cold feet. And so we were talking back and forth. And I was like, Hey man, you want to do this? And ta-da, here we are. So we've had maybe a five or six minute conversation about life right now, but I don't know a whole lot about a situation. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to, I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. We're going to get to know Juan and then we're going to get to know his goals and where he wants to go, where he wants to be. And we're going to help him get there. So this should be fun. Um, but real quick, Juan, why don't you just give a brief introduction to yourself, and then I'll ask a whole bunch of really annoying personal questions, and, and you know we'll try not to cry. No, I'm just kidding. Welcome to the show, buddy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for a very good introduction. Uh, my name is Juan Paolo Capari, and I'm with the U.S. Navy. Um, I, I went to the America when I was uh, 20 years old, so it was like 2016, and then 2017, um, that's when I tried to join the Navy. And then 2018 is uh, when I went to Japan. Actually, I'm here right now in Japan. This is my first command. It's my first orders. And now, now I'm currently stationed in Sasebo, Japan with uh, Naval Beach Unit 7. And my job is a uh, beach party team. Right on. So does that mean, um, I, I know we kind of touched on it before, but that's like you, you work with LCACs and everything to set up the uh, bogs and pogs. and Correct. Right. 
Okay, cool. So I, I work in the movement control center for one of the MEFs right now. So, uh, but before that I was a UMCC. So essentially I was the working with all the embarkers for help and onload and offload ships. And right. uh, although I am a transportation guy, so I usually just drive trucks around, but uh, you know, you get promoted enough and you get to do the more boring job, but mm-hmm. yeah, I had to ride in an LCAC one time and uh, well, a few times on the same day. And like the whole time I was like, how do I jump into the Navy and become a pilot for these things? These are so cool. So, Did you feel that seasick? No, man. I loved it. It was like <laughs> the smoothest ride I've ever. And we had some pretty choppy seas, but I was like, yeah. this is the coolest thing. We were, it was in Hawaii. And uh, so we were flying off whatever ship into, um, into the harbor there on the big island. And there were some rough seas and whatnot, but like, it's actually a a surprisingly smooth ride like i mean i don't know maybe maybe it was rough seas that they were saying it was rough but it really wasn't but i loved it i was like this is the cool but then again and here's the kicker i was up in the crew cab up with the pilots up on the top deck with the windows that's probably why you had to- <laughs> i was gonna say that's probably what it was now that i think about it it's probably that i was hanging out enjoying the view rather than down in the little uh cabin with yeah, that 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 Get would probably make a huge memories. difference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where they shove the rest of us. Actually, it's funny because a lot of times, um, like if they're offloading trucks, right? They just leave the Marines in the freaking truck, and so you're like just stuck in your truck, yeah. like can't open the door, can't. <laughs> like, no thanks. <laughs> but all right, right on. So, um, I know you're 25 and you're in Sasebo. Are you uh, are you married or single? Married. Okay, cool. Um, any kids? No, not yet. All right, cool. Uh, do you plan on re-enlisting at this point? Yes, or... uh, I'm trying to go to my short duty after my five years contract. Do you know where you're trying to get? Do you guys have a choice in that? Yes. Um, actually, before it's called um, CMS ID. I don't know if you know that, but usually the Navy used that to like you know get orders. But now it's called My Navy Assignment. So like, it's like a website, like uh, a link you go to and you can like choose orders from there. They said, it will says like what location, what command, um, if it's an accompanied or accompanied, how long is your tour? So yeah. That's cool. Where are you hoping to end up? Do you know? So I'm trying to go um, stateside because I've been hearing a lot of your podcasts and a lot of your YouTube videos. And um, the first step you did was uh, house hacking and using your VA loan. So right now I can't do that because you need to have a primary residence. So that's the one I'm trying to hope for. But um, honestly, right now, I don't have any kind of real estate experience. That's why I like, you know, looking for people like you to help me. Right on. Well, that I'm, Glad you did a little homework on that because we were going to talk about yeah. that here in a little bit. Um, yeah, stateside's definitely, a, it, I mean, it, it makes sense. You can't use the VA loan if you don't live in the house or at least intend to live in the house. So, you know, yeah. from Sasebo would make it a little difficult. I think any lender would see through that. Um, it, it's, it's like a funny story because, you know, I'm from the Philippines, right? So when I went to America, it's been like only a year. And then when I joined the Navy, they got me stationed in Japan, which you know, I went to America to stay in America and now I was in Asia and then they put me in Asia again. So I haven't been in America for a while. So like, yeah. like only for a year or something. And now I'm back in Asia. Where, where were you in 2016? Like, where did you go in the U S 
um, California, Vallejo, California. That's where my parents are. My um, grandma, uncle, my mom. Right on. Do you think long-term, is that probably where you want to end up? Um, not really, because uh, as of now, it's very expensive in California. So we're trying to look for a different state, but I haven't lived and experienced in different states. So I'm mm. not sure what state am I going to target first. Okay, cool. Well, that's, that's good to know. Um, have you, uh, uh, to dig into like some personal stuff, do you have any capital saved up, like, like money set aside yet? Yes, uh, me and my wife have a money market savings. That's for our uh, emergency fund. And I also have a Robinhood, which, uh, you know, just like individual stocks and ETFs. And then I also have a Fidelity account. It's for my retirement. And um, what do you call this? Um, index funds. Okay. So I heard about this book called Simple Path to Wealth. That's actually yeah. my first, first ever podcast that I listened to. Um, the, the, the Simple Path to Wealth in a Bigger Packets podcast. And that's when everything started. And before I just focused on stocks, stocks, stocks. And then after I heard about a lot of real estate stories, that's when I tried to like learn more about it. Okay. Yeah. I like, I like JL, <clears throat> JL Collins book. It's a good one. Uh, that's actually what finally got me to settle on a allocation for where my money was in my TSP. Cause I had it oh, sitting in the wrong funds. Um, oh, so you, you use the TSP as well? Yes. Um, it's like a four. Oh yeah, of course. You know that, um, yeah. we're, we're both in the military. It's like yeah, yeah, a yeah. 401k TSP and I love it because they have, they have the website for it too. And they will show you like the price. They show you like life cycle, like how much is the expense ratio. So it's very basic and it's very helpful for people like me, like doesn't have any idea of what is a 401k before and what is a TSP before. And all I have to do is go to that website and everything is explainable, explainable or whatever the word is. You Close know. enough. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's also videos there on how to help you. Like what, what is G fund, C fund? Because when I joined the bootcamp, I was like, I joined the military. So I was like thinking, I don't know, I'm not even going to leave until like 60 years old because we're about to go to war or something, you know, I, I might not, I'm not even be a 65 years old. So I didn't yeah. do that or whatsoever. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to save money in my savings account. And then after a while, um, there's this financial advisor here in Sasebo and helping us like, Hey, you should really get to your TSP, TSP. So that's when I went to it. Surprisingly, that's a, a very common mentality. The idea that like, oh, I don't need to worry about retirement. I'm either I can either worry about that later, or I might not make it. And it's like mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, the best years to invest are when you're young. Um, but do you know? Uh, did you switch over to the blended retirement system? Do you know? Yes. Um, I think right now, if you join the, the military, it's automatically it's going to be on the BRS. Yeah. But since um my uh, financial advisor told me if you're not going to stay for 20 years, might as well do the BRS because they match it. So if you're going to stay for 20 years, I think the better, the best one is the traditional, but debatable. I Depends on how you do in the, in the, um, I, I did BRS as well and I changed at ugh, nine years. So, um, okay, cool. So that's good. Uh, how much are you contributing to your TSP every month? You know? Yes, actually before it's only 1% G fund. And I was wondering, like, I think this is not really good. So I went to like 5% just to get the matching. 
Good. And then after reading a lot of books and uh, hearing a lot of podcasts, um, I got the, what do you call this? Um, right now it's on 15%. Perfect. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So that's one of the first things I always recommend to people is like, well, shit, I'm putting, if you include the BRS, the match, I'm putting 25% in right now. Um, and and I, I did the same thing like you, like originally I did not put nearly as much as I should have into my TSP and I left it in the G fund for too many years. And yeah. um, I just didn't know what I was doing, but you know, I've got, I mean, not a ton of money in there right now, but enough that if any one of my properties decided that it was just going to fall apart, I could either pay off most of the note or, you know, I mean, I could cover like when, when everything with COVID happened, I knew that in a worst case scenario, my TSP would be able to cover, I think I did the math. It was like 15 months of expenses, 15 or 16 months or something like that, that I could pay every single property completely vacant. Well, if every unit went completely vacant, I could cover it for like six months. But if half the units went vacant, I think it was like, I don't know, like 15 or 16 months or whatever that I could float just off my TSP. And so it's nice to know that like, hey, look, I'm going to let this grow. This is going to be here. It's like my super emergency cash reserves that I just never plan on touching. So I definitely recommend, I always recommend to people, there, there are some investors who say, you know, you can, you can liquidate your TSP or take a loan from it. And, and both of those are true. But personally, I like to just leave money in there because it'll grow over time. Sorry. Uh, for those of you listening, he is, it is nine o'clock at night, his time. And it is now almost five in the morning, my time. So this is an interesting time to record. Right. <laughs> um, so if you hear us yawning, it's probably because it's bedtime for one and still probably bedtime for the other. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, you know, I recommend that because it's like, that's money that you should never touch because it'll compound over time. It'll grow. It's, it's got great tax benefits. It's got great, um, uh, you, you know, uh, well, I guess tax benefits is probably the best thing, but then lowest fees and lowest operating expenses. Um, That's true. But, you know, it grows and you don't need it. And then if you ever have something go terribly wrong, now you have a safety net. Um, do you mind if I ask between the other accounts, like a rough like ballpark number, like how much cash you have saved up that you might be able to invest with when the time comes? Yes. So for my money market, we already we already we already have the ten thousand. Actually, already went to fifteen k. But since I learned about this Robinhood thing, I started like putting money on the stocks. But you you know I, I'm not really like a good investor, so I don't know if I have to save more than that before I invest, or or do an emergency fund and then invest some of it. So what we did is um, we have the money market already went to 15k and then i removed 5k and put some in fidelity and then some in Robinhood. now we right now we, we only have the 10,000 cool i like it um yeah i mean it, it depends kind of on your strategy and we can dig into that here in a minute um in fact we will uh depending on what you're doing 10,000 as a reserve is usually a for for most markets that's pretty safe for a rent, your first rental unit um Cause I mean the worst case scenario, like property goes vacant in most markets, that's only going to cost you like a thousand bucks, 2000 bucks until you get it rented again. Um, you know, I have quote unquote, my, I'm going to like knock on wood while I say this, my worst month so far, as far as expenses 
has not gone above 6,000. And that was like, I, I mean, like worse, like somebody died in one of the units and I had to bring in like environmental cleaning to like clean the entire place. Cause this guy had been like rotting for two weeks and wow. the furnace went out. So it was like a $2,000 furnace or, or $1,500 furnace or whatever, plus dead guy, plus environmental cleaning, plus storage for dead guys stuff. It was just like a crazy month. Um, and it was still only like six or $7,000, you know? So like, generally speaking 10 grand will cover just about anything because if you have like a major incident like something that just you know like your roof will you'll budget for your roof over time that won't come out of your cash reserves and if something was to happen so bad that it took out your roof well then that's why you have insurance so it wouldn't come out of your your reserves anyway unless it was like you had to pay the deposit for it um you know or the deductible not deposit um so that's some of the stuff that, you know, we'll talk through is like safeguarding and whatever. Um, all right, cool. So you got a, you got decent capital for starting. Um, do you know how much money you're trying to save? Like you're, you guys are saving every month between uh, paychecks. Like, do you know what your savings rate is? Yes. So um, for, uh, we're trying to change it because I'm trying to rebalance my portfolio, but so far our plan is always um, every paycheck. We put money on our uh, Roth IRA me and my wife have both Roth IRAs. So we put money there. And after reading that book, Simple Path to Wealth, we decided to put it in the S&P 500 and also the total stock market. Cool. But a lot of people are using Vanguard. I, I, all the pod, podcasts that I've been hearing to is always Vanguard, Vanguard. But the thing is, there's a minimum on Vanguard. It's like yep. 8,000, I guess. Yeah, it depends so, on the account. It used to, be te- uh, used to be five, I think. But yeah, three. Wow. Yeah. So now we decided to use Fidelity because, you know, even a dollar you can invest. So that's the one thing I like about it. And after Roth IRA, of course, the TSP 15% is already deducted right away to my paycheck. And she also works. So after the monthly expenses, everything is going to be on our money, money market savings. Cool. All right. Awesome. So it sounds like you got a good savings rate. So that's good. That's one of the first things I usually tell people is like, dude, you're your income is usually not the issue for not having money. It's your expenses. Like I didn't have a freaking penny saved up, man, maybe, maybe a a few hundred bucks or whatever after my first enlistment. And it wasn't because I didn't make any money. I mean, shit, I'd lived in Japan for two years. I'd been deployed to a tax-free combat zone with hazard pay. And I had a whole bunch of toys, you know, guns, trucks, Harley tattoos, whatever, plenty of alcohol, plenty of like workout supplements, um, plenty of really expensive meals, like whatever. Uh, and it wasn't that I didn't make money. It was that I didn't save any of it. I just blew all my money on really stupid stuff. So the fact that you guys are watching your expenses is good. That's one of the first things I always recommend is like write down like once a month, sit down and just figure out where your money went and then tweak it. Right. Like however you want to do that for me, I do, uh, right now I do like envelopes. And so I write down, how much I'm allowed to spend for gas, how much I'm allowed to spend for groceries, whatever. And I write it down on envelopes and then um, I take those envelopes and that's what I use for my spending cash. But however you got to do it, just making sure that you're not spending a ton of your income because the more money you can save, the faster you can build up those reserves and the the investing uh, capital, which is good. Um, 
All right. So I know you've read JL Collins, Simple, Simple Path to Wealth, and you started listening to some podcasts and some blogs and stuff. Have you read any uh, like real estate specific books? Um, so far, the uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. And um, I ordered the one for long distance real estate investing, but it haven't come up yet because, because cool. of the COVID-19. It's um, taking so long to get the deliveries. Yes. You know, so... Good. That's a that's a good one. That was one of the ones I was thinking I would recommend. Um, what else was that? Uh, I think it's like ten times rule, um, hands off investing. Um, yep. Yeah, I I brought a lot of books because uh, I'm gonna be deployed soon. So my idea is um my plan is to like um read a lot of books while the while in deployment because you know like especially for the navy being deployed is really tough it's like you know prison mentality it's like you're just in the ship like you know roaming around the world and you don't have wi-fi of course you know so it's just a routine like eat breakfast master go to work go to lunch go to work eat some dinner then you know stay in your rack go to your office so what i um based on my experience i've been deployed like four times already so now what I'm trying to do is have a plan for these coming deployments. So that's what my plan is, to read a lot of books. It's a very good plan. I like that. Um, I'm going to recommend uh, that you check out either the book, um, How to Invest in Real Estate, or uh, the book on rental property investing, which are both uh, authored by Brandon Turner, and one of them is co-authored by Josh Dorkin. There, there are two more Bigger Pockets books. Um, how to, how to invest in rental properties or whatever, uh, or the book on rental property investing was one of the first ones I ever read. It was very good. And then how to invest in real estate is, it's just a good overview book. So it's, it's pretty well written to walk you like soup to nuts from like A to B or A to Z or whatever. Um, it, you know, it's, it's not like a super high level book. It's very well written as far as, uh, for, you know, beginner knowledge level. And I read it like two years ago. I was like, man, I wish I'd had this book when I started. So I recommend those two as well. Thank you. Um, so those are good. All right. So you've got some money saved up. You're still saving money. I'd imagine on deployment, you know, as long as your wife doesn't take your credit card too crazy, uh, you're going to save oh, yeah. more money because you're on ship and you can't <laughs> spend any freaking money anywhere. Um, I mean, well, port calls aside, but, uh, um, so you're reading. Cause, uh, yeah. Cause a while ago you were saying about like what you did when you were, uh, like the first two years in, in the Marines, we did the same thing, like bought a lot of supplements, you know, it all, oh, I'm not eating in the galley. I always eat in the food court. And every time we have a chance to go out, I always go out and eat. And then. Uh, in the middle of my uh, orders here in Japan, that's when I met my wife and we got married. Um, so she was a very frugal person, actually. So she's the one who made me do this, like all the savings and everything. Because I feel like if I don't, I didn't uh, meet her, I feel like I'm going to be the same thing until now, like spending money all the time, don't eat in the galley and, you know, just buy a lot of like stuff, gadgets and, you know, yeah, so... I think uh, she really gave me an opportunity of um, reaching my financial free, our financial freedom. Yep. 
not to stereotype, but that seems to be the case a lot of times. My wife is much more frugal than I am. Um, <laughs> it's not always the case, you know, but I feel like generally speaking, if one member of the relationship is more uh, acceptable of risk, it's generally the guy. And And maybe that's just because we're in the military and a lot of people in the military are fairly uh, okay with risk because, you know, they joined the military. So maybe, maybe that's what it is. But yeah, my wife is definitely the frugal one, like completely, um, you know, she'll spend like 10 or like 60 bucks a week on herself or whatever. And I'm over here like eat, eating, like spending 60 bucks a week on groceries alone, you know? Um, so I don't know. It's uh, yeah. Makes sense. All right. So you're, you've got some capital, you're saving some money. You're learning books, podcasts, whatever. So that's that's all great. So you're on a good path there. Now, have you given any thought to like, I know you said like financial freedom, but think like, let's think like 15 or 20 years down the road. What does life look like? Like, do you want to be super involved in real estate? Do you want to be like sitting on a beach drinking, drinking a martini with your feet, feet up? Like, what is like the perfect life look like i mean you don't have to like go into crazy detail but i'm just curious what direction you're like how much how involved you want to be in all this yeah so um at first um we were watching youtube videos about uh this couple uh i don't know if you know this but their youtube channel is like our rich journey so um i know the name i think it's a man and a man and i forgot but they're retired in um poor Portland, I think it's Portland or okay, yeah, I'm, I'm Portugal, I'm, Portugal, yeah, I'm they looking, retired I'm at Portugal their channel right now. Okay, cool. Yeah, so this couple, what they did is they had the they are retired, I think like thirty or something. So that's what me and my wife are trying to plan. We're doing the fire, so financially independent, retired early, because uh, me. Personally, I really, I really don't want to work until I became, you know, 60 years old, you know, because like the old mentality of people is like work, work, work and just get your pension, you know. So um, my, me and my wife has a plan of um, reaching that fire number. So um, after um, hearing this um, couple, um, what do you call this? Um, explaining their life and how they retire at age of this and how they reach their fire number, what investment that they did, what resources that they did. So that's what we're doing. So, um, you know, as long as we reach the fire number, that's our goal. And we don't, I'm not like saying like, okay, let's have like a big house, a Lamborghini or something, you know, just, I just want to have like a simple life. Like I don't have to work anymore. And every time, you know, like thinking about money, we don't have to worry about it because, you know, it's already covered from your investment. So, um, it's like your monthly expenses, you know, um, they have, they even have like a calculate calculator or something like, uh, your monthly expenses times 12 or times 25. And then it's like the 4% rule, you know, stuff like that. I'm still learning. And yeah, those resources and calculator that they're using is very helpful. So we want to reach that number and just live like a simple life, you know, travel the world while we're still young. And then, of course, sooner or later, we're going to have a baby and we're going to have uh, kids. So 
I want to um, make them, I want my kids to feel like they don't have to worry about money and they need to learn about, you know, financial um, literate literacy or something. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you're more in the fire community for retiring early, which is cool. So uh, the for those of you listening who don't know, the 4% withdrawal rate, safe withdrawal rate, rate ties back to a bunch of studies about how if you have all your money in like a portfolio and the flux, stock market fluctuates, that's like the the rate of money that you can pull and safely assume that you're not going to run out of money. In fact, your portfolio will probably grow over time still instead of disappearing. Now, if you go 3%, even better, but to put this in perspective, if you wanted to retire on $40,000 a year for the rest of your life, you would need a million dollars sitting in an account that you can pull 40,000, you know, $40,000 a year out of, which is 4%. And then the account will fluctuate or whatever, but You'll be okay. And I've got friends who've done that and they're a testament to that. In fact, I got a buddy who retired in in Hawaii and he's been a true testament to the 4% safe withdrawal rate and his money is, he's got more money now than he did when he retired 17 years ago. So it's definitely possible. Um, the thing that I struggle with is that when you say save a million dollars for $40,000 a year income, like that's a daunting number. You have a million dollars in a bank account. And now granted, compound interest will work. That's why starting sooner and, and putting money in your TSP or your index funds or whatever, like that makes sense <clears throat> because that money will grow over time. So the more money you can put in younger, the better. Um, but let me let me do my my math in public. I should have done I should have used sixty thousand dollars a year. That would have been easier because I know off the top of my head that's five grand, but forty K is thirty three hundred dollars a month right? And some change. So if you want to make $3,300 a month and some change, you can potentially do that with a handful of rentals, depending on what you have, right? Um, so it's actually possible to retire with less than a million dollars in, in to invest through real estate, depending on how you do it. So for example, if you have $20,000 and you buy a duplex, and that duplex makes you $300 a month. Well, okay, that's great. But let's say you bought that duplex on a 15-year loan and it was only making you $300 a month. Now, that's a good deal. That's not like a home run, but that's a good deal, especially if you only put $20,000 down because you know the property will pay off the loan for you. The property will continue paying cash flow, whatever. But when you hit that 15-year mark, your cash flow is going to go from 300 to 300 plus whatever the mortgage was, which... You know, I'm just using really rough numbers on this, but let's just say it was a $500 mortgage uh, principal and interest. Well, now you're making $800 a month off that one property and you still only put $20,000 into it. Now you're going to have to do some renovations. You're going to have to do some upkeep. You're going to have to do some stuff. But, you know, the reality is if you bought, I mean, what, four? Try to make sure I'm doing my math here. No, four would only be, yeah. Yeah, four four duplexes, so eighty thousand dollars invested. If they made you three hundred dollars a month, and then fifteen years down the road they were all paid off, that would be thirty thirty two hundred dollars, which wouldn't put you right at thirty years old. But if you started at twenty and you bought the fourth one by the time you were like twenty four, then by the time you're forty, you're gonna have thirty two hundred dollars a month, forty thousand dollars a year, and you only put eighty thousand dollars in. Not which just goes to say that you can, if you do both, you can retire pretty easy. You're going to be diversified. Um, you know, so anyway, so good, good theories there. So the question is, have you sat down and figured out your fire number yet? 
Yes, actually, I have this uh, this board. I love it for our number. So it's a hundred ninety thousand five hundred, and our goal is to reach it by thirty years old. That's your uh, desired annual. Um, I'm not really sure about that because uh, I'm I'm still learning about the calculation. I'm still um, analyzing the math behind it. But so far, based on my calculation. Um, our fire number is 190,500. So once we reach that, based on our monthly expenses, we can retire. I mean, uh, we can reach the fire number. I mean, uh, we can retire early. But, you know, we're both in the military because, you know, if you go to the civilian world, you have to pay for your electricity, you have to pay for your water bills, you have to pay for your house. So all of those is not yet computed. So this one is only just like, for example, like our um internet um our phone bills our netflix account um spotify you know stuff like that like groceries expenses um car expenses insurance expenses so we haven't put our monthly mortgage there we haven't put like bills for the house and stuff like that so far i think um this number is gonna go up once i get out in the navy yeah. Okay. So that was, I was like, man, 190. I was looking at, I thought that's what you were saying. You needed to withdraw every year. I was like, dude, that's $15,000 a month. That's a lot of cash flow. Um, but you're talking about before the 4%. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So what I would recommend is sitting down. And I think the best way to kind of figure this out would be to figure out what your dream lifestyle looks like, mm-hmm. and then to figure out what that'll cost. So if you did want a Lamborghini, how much will that cost? Okay, put that into your monthly cost. Now you said you don't want to, you want a simple life, so that's easier. Um, you know, obviously that's going to fluctuate because you don't know where you want to live in the U.S. long term. So that will, you know, that'll change because if you base it off of Missouri and then you live in San Diego, it's going to be a lot more expensive. Or if you base it on San Diego and then you live in Missouri, you're going to have a lot more money saved up, saved up than you need to. Um, what about you? Like, as uh, you've been to the States for a while, so what can you suggest like, um, to leave what state and what area to invest? Like, what state mm. to invest and what uh, state to leave? That's tough because there's a lot of variables that go into that. Mm-hmm. Number one, I guess, would just be as far as where you want to live, like what kind of climate you want. You know, if you want to live out in the, the woods, great. But if you want to live on a beach... Totally different ball game. Um, so coastal cities are always going to be more expensive. Um, so if you want to live somewhere that's super affordable, honestly, I would say you could live and invest in the Midwest. The problem is that being in the Navy, you're not going to be stationed in the Midwest. Like you're not going to be stationed in Missouri because that's the, not near water. Um, you know, so kind of a downside to the Navy, I suppose, although I don't really have many options for station in Missouri, but the army does, um, and Missouri is super cheap and, and rent. I just say Missouri cause that's where I've got a lot of rentals. Um, but I grew up in like Arkansas. Um, so that's, that's a good area as far as like cash flow. So more affordable properties that rent, like everyone who was listening to this and laughing at my $20,000 down, like those, the Midwest is where you can buy a duplex for that amount. Um, you know, so it really kind of depends on your goals as far as, uh, like in your case, cash flow. So I would suggest you look at investing somewhere more in the Midwest because you're not necessarily wanting the property to 
go up $200,000 in value so much as you're wanting the property to spit out a solid amount of rent every month that helps you cover expenses. So when you're planning this out, I would, I would sit down with your wife. Now, obviously figuring out where in the U S that's, that's a question that'll take a lot more digging and hopefully you get stationed somewhere and you either really like it, or you're able to travel a little bit more in the U S and figure that out because prices for living can fluctuate a lot. But I would say you figure out like, okay, maybe you just base it on like the, the average rent price across the U S or, or mortgage price across the U S and you just kind of go off an average there. Um, but then figure out, okay, well, what do we want to be able to do every year? How much do we want to be able to travel? How much, you know, what kind of car do we want to own? Like, and this is like dream, you know, like you're like, okay, in a perfect world. Mm -hmm. Um, and then figure all of that out and figure out how much all of that will cost you a month. And then I would use that to base your fire number. Cause that'll probably be more, you know, more closer to the like million dollars, $40,000 a year, $50,000 a year, $60,000 a year. Um, an income that you need, which gives you a better idea. And then the goal is to buy rentals to cover that amount of money. So you figure out what your your financial independence number or financial freedom number, whatever you want to call it is. And then from there, you can back plan to figure out what you need to buy in order to make that happen. And it sounds to me like your best play are going to be more passive investments. So I would just say for now on, I would, if I was you, I would not worry about reading books on flipping houses. I would not worry about, um, you can definitely learn some stuff about like wholesaling if you want to, uh, cause it's a good skill to understand like the idea of if you find a property that might be a good investment, but you don't have money to invest in it or, or you don't want to flip the house, you can sell it to another investor. But I don't know if you need to focus super what's, heavily. Uh, what's, you said wholesaling. What was that again? So wholesaling is basically when you find like a beat up house that mm -hmm. somebody only wants 50,000 for, and then you find it, but it's worth a hundred and then you sell it to another guy who flips houses for like 60. So you make $10,000. They still have to flip the house and make money. The problem is that wholesaling and, and house flipping, they're very active. Like you can't, really do either of those jobs it's possible i know people have done it but it's kind of an anomaly it's very hard to do either of those jobs and have freedom of time and be able to just relax and live a simple life and sit on the beach like you kind of have to keep your foot on the throttle to keep those businesses going which is why i went more with rental properties because i can buy a property and then have a really good property manager set up and i can take that and I can, you know, use that money to uh, just continually let the properties build cash flow and build build capital, and then I can buy another property, and then I can let the properties build capital, and then I can buy another property. Um, so I would look at two things mainly if I was you. I would look at like buy and hold, like rental properties, and then I would probably look at um, like limited partner syndications for apartments. And, and I say that that's, that's kind of a higher level thing. But the reason I say that is because being a limited partner on a syndication, you get all of the benefits of a big apartment purchase, but you don't have to do anything. So a limited partner is essentially, it, it would be like if you had $50,000 and you found somebody who, may, who buys really big apartment complexes, and then you said, hey, I know you're buying this apartment. Here's $50,000. You know, write me a check every quarter or every month. Um, 
and then they, you know, they, they own the property, you're a member of the partnership and you just, you're not, you don't have to do anything. You're like completely passive. That's what the, the hands-off investor, that's what it's all about. It's about doing this. Um, so you'll learn about that as you dig into that book more. Um, but that can be a good strategy for two reasons. One, you don't have to worry about building a team and you don't have to worry. I mean, you don't have to worry about anything other than making sure that the people you're investing with know what they're doing. And, and there's some really good syndicators out there. I'd be happy to introduce you to some of them. There's also some, eh, maybe, maybe, okay, decent, like some really good marketers that are good, but I don't know if I would necessarily invest with them. So, you know, but whatever, but you gotta have money for that. So that's the downside. Um, so it might not be as fast to start out with syndications, but if you pay $50,000, a good syndication will give you at least double your money back in five or six years. Um, so like the one that I'm a member of right now is projected to give me, I think it's like 128%. So like two and a quarter times my money back, but seven years down the road, which is great because I don't need the money right now and I'm not doing a whole lot on it. Although I'm on the general partner side. So I actually am a part of the team that's managing and operating the deal. But um, even still, it's once the property's you know, functioning, it's still not as much work as it could be. Uh, anyway, so all that to say, the limited partner is a really, really passive way to invest in real estate where you don't do anything but make sure that you understand who the person you're investing with is and make sure you like the property. And once you do those things, you write a check, you just sit back and they call it mailbox money because it just shows up in your mailbox and you're like, oh boy, another check. Um, so I like that because it's just so, so passive. Like someone handed me a hundred grand right now and said, what are you doing with this? I would probably put it in a syndication and say, okay, that was easy. Now I'm going to move on to my next thing or at least half of it. Um, the other thing is rental properties because I'm a huge fan of if you buy a rental and you just hold it forever, then over time as it pays down the note and it, you know, you get tax benefits and everything else. That's the nice thing about real estate is you get all these tax benefits. Um, over time, as they pay themselves off, your cash flow will go up, but your money invested does not, unless something goes terribly wrong, right? Like most of the, most of the money that you, cause you budget for all your expenses. So theoretically you're not going to get caught with your pants down. So for example, I bought a duplex in 2015, I used an FHA loan, which is, you know, and I kind of did the house hack thing. But now, you know, I paid about four, well, including the floor that I, I put in and like the renovations, I probably paid $5,000 all in for that property. Down payment, closing cut. Well, I didn't pay closing costs, but um, the down payment, the um, flooring, a, a little bit here or there for renovations, um, probably $5,000. And that property makes me like 3600 bucks a month. So, you know, I mean, but it's, that's, that's as much as my down payment was. So pretty good return. I've now made all my money back plus like three times and it's just slowly paying itself off. Now I didn't do a 15 year loan on that. I did a 30 year, but assuming I never make an extra payment, then in 2045, that property will go from like $3,600 a month that I'm making to whatever that is, uh, like 9,600 bucks a month, because it'll, it'll, I think I'm paying like 580 for the, the principal and interest. Um, I might be a little high on that actually. I think that one's escrowed. So anyway, but it, it'll go from, it'll, it'll go to at least $8,000 a month or a, a year that I'm, that I'm getting from that property. Right. 
well, right now I'm only making like 4,000. So the, the amount of money I'm getting out of that single property will double once it's paid off. Um, you know, I'll keep budgeting for stuff, but it's just a cool way to think of things where it's like, all I have to do is make sure that I don't get rid of this property and it will double what it's making me, not including appreciation and inflation and all those other rent, rent, you know, increasing rent and, and stuff right now as it stands. So it'll probably make me even more than that. Um, it'll probably make me $10,000, $12,000 a year, you know, so it might make me a full thousand dollars a month by the time I'm getting closer to, you know, getting close to retiring or whatever. Um, and you can pay that off sooner. You can pay that off later. Anyway, so all that to say that those are the two things I would be focusing on. I would be putting all my money into, uh, you know, a larger chunk into the TSP as my emergency reserves. And then I, because you want to have your personal finances set up so that if something goes really bad for whatever reason, you're safe. Uh, and then I would put a lot of money into those mutual funds where you can pull the money back out and be able to invest it. And I would start looking at rental properties. Um, the first thing, so we know, we know your goal, right? Your goal is to reach your financial independence number so that you can retire, live on a beach, live a, or live a simple life and yes. just relax. I yes. like it. It's fairly similar to mine. Um, mm -hmm. Although I want to travel a ton, but you know, uh, that's, that's good. Um, so the next thing you probably need to do uh, well, you need to keep learning about everything, right? Podcasts and books. Um, but you need to try to figure out a market. And that's not going to be as easy um, just because you haven't necessarily lived in the U.S. But I would, I would go, if you go onto the Bigger Pockets website, you can go search through there where people are talking about markets to invest in. And I would go see what, like, what are some common areas. Like right now, I know that a couple hot spots are uh, Kansas City, Indianapolis, um, Jacksonville, Florida, Fayetteville, North Carolina. Uh, Phoenix had been for a while. Like those are those are like investor hotbeds. Like there's a lot of investors there. Now I wouldn't necessarily go for the big cities where everybody's investing, but maybe some suburbs. Um, so if you see like Jacksonville, Florida, and maybe out about an hour away, there's another little town that's doing pretty well maybe you don't have as much competition for investors, but Jacksonville might be a good place. So those are like, I would kind of look at those and see like what you like about them, what you don't like about them. And I would just keep in mind that where you invest doesn't mean you have to always invest there. And it doesn't mean that you have to, uh, you know, live there forever. Um, and so, so that's a, that's a good option. And then you start building a team. So if you find one of those that you like, then what you would do is you would look for a realtor, a property manager and, and all of that information. Um, the other thing you could do is you could look at what we call turnkey properties, which I think we kind of talked about on Facebook at one point. I think you had asked me a question about that. Yeah, a little and, bit. Yeah, and turnkey is basically rental properties, except that you're buying a rental property from somebody who already did all the work. They already bought a house, fixed it up, whatever. So mm -hmm. the pros and cons to that is you might not make as much money as if you did it all yourself because the turnkey provider had to make some money themselves to make it worth their time to flip the house to you. But you'll get a good return and you'll be investing in real estate. So I have a, mm, I have a friend named Stu and he runs, uh, he's actually a partner of mine on my mastermind group, but he runs a turnkey company and I think they're based out of Milwaukee area. And so you can buy a house through them that, 
is a pretty decent price and makes a pretty decent amount of profit. I want to say most of their properties are around a hundred, hundred and ten thousand. Um, so you know, you need twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars down. But then once you do that, you get on their wait list, you get a house that's been fully renovated, and then they help you connect with the property manager and they have a team set up and you can just basically you can do it all remotely, which is something you could keep doing. And so then you're still getting the tax benefits and you're still getting all the benefits of investing in, in real estate, but uh, it's in a market that you may never live, but you can just kind of build a little portfolio there. You don't ever have to see the properties. You don't have to do anything, um, which is why a lot of people like it, especially in the military, because you can just dump money into that and you don't, you don't have to worry about like personally managing the properties or visiting them or whatever. Um, so I would look into those. I would look into turnkey. I would look into rentals and I would look into, uh, syndication, which you've got the hands-off investor, which is syndications. You're getting the two books I recommend, which are rentals and then long distance real estate, which is good. Cause that'll, so the difference is long distance real estate. will talk about everything you need to do to do it yourself. And then the other ones will kind of give you an idea of how, how to do that. And then turnkey would basically be long distance real estate investing, but somebody else is doing all the, all the legwork. So um, yeah. I would look into those and just kind of figure out which one of those strategies you enjoy the idea of the most. And then what I would do is try to figure out a market and I would just connect with people, right? So if you figure out that Kansas city is where you want to invest then see if there's a virtual event in Kansas city that you can attend and just kind of start to meet people locally. Um, Cause if you have people that you know in town, if you know a, uh, a realtor or if you know a property manager, like building those relationships is huge because real estate above all things is a people business. So you need to know, uh, you need to have people on your team and you need to know um, kind of what you're looking at. So that's all, that's all well and good. The next thing that I would probably look at is when you get close to shore duty and, and definitely reach out when you, when you get orders for shore duty or whatever, because it's going to kind of depend on your market, but depending on where you get stationed, the VA loan, the house hack is probably my, in fact, I say probably it is my absolute favorite strategy for somebody starting out in real estate. And essentially what that is, is that you can use your VA loan to buy a, a duplex, a triplex or a fourplex or whatever. And you live in one unit and you rent out the other units. And so even if you're not living for free, you're living cheaper than you would have been, right? So let's say you buy a, a, a fourplex for $200,000 in a normal market that's a little bit cheaper and, or you know, a cheaper market, buy a $200,000 fourplex and each unit rents for 500 bucks a month. And then you're paying $200,000, your mortgage is probably a thousand bucks a month you pay 500 bucks or, or, and the other three tenants pay 500 bucks a month. So that's $1,500 that they're paying. Your mortgage is a thousand. Well, then your expenses are probably like another seven. So you might be out of pocket, like 500 to $750 a month, but you would have been paying that to live somewhere anywhere. Actually, you'd probably be out of pocket like 250 a month, but um, you would have been paying or live, you know, paying out of pocket to live, to rent a place anywhere anyway, but you're paying down the mortgage with every paycheck. You're learning how to be a landlord. And then when you move out, the property will make money. Um, so I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the house hack. My first property was a house hack. 
And currently I'm living in a property that I'm house hacking right now. I don't actually own this one, but I'm renting it. And then I was allowed to sublet, meaning rent to other people, uh, bedrooms. And so I'm renting bedrooms to other people. And yeah, so that's kind of, um, I think that's like the best strategy ever. So definitely when you figure out where you're going, reach out, we'll figure out like, okay, what's a good property. I'll, I'll help you find an agent or whatever, or, you know, not that you need me, but, um, I just happen to have a lot of agents I know now from doing all this. Um, and I would definitely look at the VA house hack. So those are, those are kind of my recommendations for you for right now is just focus on learning and then really narrow down like your goals, what kind of markets you like as far as like narrow down to a few different ones. Um, and I have an article on choosing a market that I can shoot you. Um, and then uh, find connections and look at the VA house hack. Cause the, the ultimate goal for you is to be, build up enough cash flow that you can retire. Right. And that's totally doable. Um, I mean, I, I, I would be able to tell you that I'm close to doing that already, except that my, uh, my number for retirement has grown. So, uh, I've, I've decided that I want some more fancy things because I realized this was possible. And I was like, Oh, well, let me, let me make this number a little bigger then so I can live a bit, a little bit more travel and whatnot. Uh, yeah. but anyway, um, so that's a lot to unpack there. Uh, do you have any questions off the top of your head? as far as yeah. things that you're stuck with right now? So, yeah. Um, um, so far, um, I learned, um, what do you call this? Uh, there's this guy who gave me like a bridge turnkey in Arkansas and syndication. Um, do you know Tri-City? Yeah. 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 And then, I'm, so that's my plan, saving up for the syndication, saving up for Arkansas bridge turnkey and also the one storehouse ventures. And then, you said a while ago, Fayetteville, Fayetteville, um, Fayetteville, North Carolina. So I, I met the, uh, what's his name? Uh, her name, Shelby, I think. I yeah. heard a, a podcast about, um, she was also a military before. And then, um, what do you call this? It's also, I think, um, rental property in Fayetteville. Um I forgot Trevor West. His name is Trevor West. So okay. I talked to him and then I gave you like, I think um, the idea of buying the, paying the property, but what do you call that thing again? Like, um, uh, one second, I think. West. Subject to terms, subject to yeah. Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah, some, he sent you a subject to. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure what about what's the meaning of that. Subject to means, so it's subject to the existing note or or to the mortgage. So basically, what it means is, you would be taking over <clears throat> whatever mortgage payment the person before you was making. So it's usually like a little bit of a down payment required. And then you just take over that mortgage, which is cool because you don't really have to worry about getting qualified for financing so much as you just have to worry about the bank saying, okay, yeah, you can take over this, this loan. Um, I mean, that's the long and short of it is you just take over the loan and then it's a rental. So I, I don't remember the one that you sent me didn't look too bad. Um, but in essence, it's paying a down payment 
and then or maybe not a down payment depending on the the deal but you pay a down payment and then you just pay their mortgage off until you can refinance the property down the road and so you just take it over that way so it's doesn't necessarily have to have a lot of money involved and then if it's a good property it'll still cash flow it'll still be in good shape you know you get all of those benefits it's just a different way of financing mm-hmm. so instead of instead of going through a bank you're basically just going to take over the loan from someone else who went through a bank so that means um there's still going to be a tenant on that property instead of me instead of them owning the property i'm going to own it and then they're going to start paying me their rent mm-hmm. but i'm still ha- i still have to pay the mortgage and then whatever comes um mortgage minus the rent is my cash flow for that area i mean for that property well minus all your expenses you want to you want to oh, yeah, make sure you budget for vacancy and uh, maintenance and everything like mm-hmm. that too but yeah so once I, I own that property, um, I have uh, like, if I want to like renovate it, if I want to flip it, if I, if I want to wholesale it, I can do that too. Yeah. Yeah. You could do anything. Um, oh. You could refinance it. You could, yeah, you could hold it. You could renovate it. You could do, I mean, really whatever it is that you want to do with it. Okay. It would be yours. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just, the only thing you couldn't do would be stop paying the mortgage and, you know, hope that the bank doesn't foreclose on you. Cause that would be bad. But mm-hmm. What about the negative side? If I do the subject to, I mean, the, the downside to sub two is it just depends on like what kind of terms they got. So, you know, I mean, if they've already paid the mortgage down a decent amount, it's good because it means that you're buying the place with equity. Um, but like if, if say they, still owe 80% on it. Like they just bought it, uh, which doesn't make sense. But you know, if, if they did, then you wouldn't really be getting a ton of equity. And so it, it just depends on their terms. Like if they had really bad finances, you would want to know what their interest rate is, uh, what their terms were. And so you want to see their existing mortgage or whatever, because you want to make sure it's something you want to pay. So like if they were paying 6% interest on a 15 year like loan, then your payment might be way higher and you might not be able to cash flow on the property. And that might be okay depending on your situation, but um, not necessarily ideal. So you might, in that case, you might want to offer, you know, like no down payment, no whatever, less, less money or whatever. And then you would just refinance that into a better loan. Uh, on the other hand, maybe they have an incredible loan. You don't want to refinance and then you just keep paying it. And that's totally fine too. So I think that's probably the biggest downside with subject two is just the fact that it really depends on their financing as far as whether it's worth it and then the terms. So I know that was the one, that was the question on that one was that he was still going to go find, that was what he needed to go look for. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So far um, I learned about the turnkey. I learned about the syndication, the subject to, and of course, right now, um, I'll be deploying soon. So I'm thinking about just like focus on those books and save a lot of money. And then after that, I'm probably like three to five, three to five months between those time, I'm going to talk to you again. So, you know, um, um, I need to find a market first, of course. And, you know, cause, uh, right now I really don't have like that, um, that, that um, risk, like um, what do you call it? tolerance. My tolerance of risk is kind of like, like you know, low, and I'm trying yeah. to get there, you know. 
because so far right now I'm kind of scared to lose money because it's so tough to earn money, especially you're in the military. We don't get we don't get paid that much, so that's my plan. I like it. So that's good. Uh, you said you guys don't have Wi-Fi at all on ship, do you? Yes. Yeah, so we, we we just have like a of course like a working computer, but of course like the working computer you can you can just like google or do something like you know personal because of course there's like people out there you don't want to see your you know your your personal bank account and stuff like that so i prefer just like focus on my um my uh books and everything and then um when i get back i'm just gonna start you know looking for properties and stuff like that and you know managing my investments again my my stocks my stuff like that Okay. Well, what I was going to suggest might, I don't know if this will still work, but um, I'm going to give you my course for free, just whatever. Um, but it's, it's a course basically just designed to get you from owning no real estate to buying your first deal. Right. So the whole, it'll walk you through um, kind of the steps that I think are important, how to, how to choose a market more more in detail and a lot of that stuff. Um, I don't know if you'll be able to watch that on ship. So you might have to try to watch it before or you might have to try to watch it after, but I'm going to, I'm going to give that to you. So just uh, when we're done, just shoot me your email address or whatever, and I'll send you a discount code. Um, so you can go in and you just use the discount code and it'll be free. Uh, and then don't get the discount code out. No, actually I, I will, uh, I'll, I, I can set it to only be one coupon. Um, but yeah, so I'll do that. And then I would say, make sure you finish that before the next time we jump on a call or whatever. And then that will, I think that will help you with determining what the best course of action going forward is like what the best strategy is. Cause I think that's what, yeah, I would, I would focus on learning and just saving as much money as possible on your deployment. And then when you come back, you'll have a better idea. If you want to do turnkey, if you want to do syndication, if you want to do, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily know bridge turnkey super well, but I know the area that they invest in, which is a good area. Uh, I do know Storehouse. I absolutely love Storehouse and everything they do. Um, I know Tri-City. They're good dudes. They're friends of mine. Um, and then I know, I know some other people who do syndication too. So, you know, whatever. I You kind of figure out what strategy fits you best and kind of what area of the country you like. And then, you know, I'm more than happy to help you introduce you to people in that those areas. But none of the people that you mentioned are, like, they all have good reputations. So, Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Because, um, you know, I, the first time I saw your your uh, course, it's like 99 or something. I was like, yeah, it's I really want to get it. But, you know, for, for people like us in the military, we don't get paid that much. So I was like, uh, uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to get it. I just have to do my own research first. But since I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. So much. You, yeah. get, you get paid plenty. <laughs> no yes we get paid plenty we get all kinds of benefits man uh it's just that's a true, stigma in the military everybody everybody yeah. freaks out about oh the military doesn't get paid anything but if you factor in how much you get paid for for food for housing like well yeah. we, we do pretty well um and you're gonna get you're gonna pin on second class here soon i would imagine or I at hope. least or at least test out for it soon and then you know once you pin that on, you make a little bit more money, but you're going to be deployed and be tax exempt. You're going to have all kinds of extra benefits. Um, so I always try to stop people when they say that, because I know that a lot of people say that, but the reality is, and I'm living proof of this because I'm enlisted too. I'm not, you know, whatever. Um, and I screwed everything up. I didn't even start saving money till I was an E5. Um, I'm doing okay. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and it's, it's and also it was said, all started uh, on just a military salary. And I haven't yeah. even deployed since then. So I haven't even got any of those fancy tax benefits. Right. True. And they, they also said, like, it's not about how much money you earn. It's about how, how much you spend, like how yes. much your expenses is. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's not about the income. Your income is almost never the problem. It's, it's the expenses. True. Right. You know, like if I go and buy way more of these really fancy microphones, I'll never save money. But, right. you know, business expense. So, uh, but yeah. Anyway. All right. So we've been on the phone now for like an hour and 20 minutes. Um, wow. So I think that the podcast is probably long enough that people are going to be like, uh, okay, thanks guys. Um, I need to go on with my day, but this has been good. So I hope you got something out of this. And Thank you so much. I appreciate you being open and honest about your finances on this and everything. This is going to be exciting to release. And then what we'll do is you're going to go on float and you're going to watch my course and you're going to read all these books, whatever. And we're going to get back in touch and maybe we do a recording. Maybe we don't do a recording, but we talk through everything, see where you're at then. And, and then at that point, you'll probably be ready to jump in, which is exciting. Yes, of course. Thank you, David. I appreciate you. Absolutely, brother. Have a great well, I guess I shouldn't say day. Have a great night. I'm going to go start yeah. my morning. I'm going to go get some coffee. <laughs> Have a good day then. You too, brother. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.